Shalom. This is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, I thank you for this Shabbat. I thank you for the opportunity to uh, honor, to remember, and to observe Pesach this year, Passover, and to recognize the fact that you did, in, in fact, provide freedom and deliverance and salvation for our people Israel coming out of Egypt. Uh, but, Father, you also have provided freedom, redemption, and salvation for your people, those bought by the blood of the Lamb, Yeshua HaMashiach. And Father, we thank you that his death was on the day that the Korban Pesach, the Passover offering, would be sacrificed. And Father, that he has resurrected from the dead and made means an opportunity for us to be resurrected in a new life. We thank you that he has ascended into heaven and his blood was poured out on the mercy seat, that his blood be a covering upon our hearts, covering our sins and washing us white uh, as snow, making us able to enter into your presence and worthy of being in your presence. Lord, we recognize that we are not worthy on our own, but only by the grace of God. And we thank you, Lord, that you have paved a way for us to be restored and renewed in your presence. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray and everyone says, Amen. All right, so Passover is kind of a, an interesting uh, season on the, the Hebrew calendar, the biblical calendar. Um, in particular, as you know, we, we follow in Judaism the Torah cycle in which each week there's a parsha or a portion of the Torah that is read in synagogues worldwide. Um, and it kind of takes a little bit of a hiatus for this Shabbat and next Shabbat uh, as we are now in Passover. So with it being uh, uh, the first day of Passover, the first day of unleavened bread today, we have a very specific reading. Next week is traditionally next Saturday is the eighth day of Passover. If you read the Bible, there really isn't a such thing as the eighth day of Passover. It's only seven days. The first day and the seventh day are a Shabbat. Uh, but outside of Israel, the Jewish world observes an eighth day uh, of Passover and an extra day to each of the Moedim, each of the appointed days with the exception of Yom Kippur, uh, and only with the exception of Yom Kippur, because who wants to fast two days in a row if we don't have to? Um, so I'm just being honest, that's my thought. I don't know that that's actually why, but that's my thought. Uh, but outside of Israel, there's an extra day that's added on, and uh, whether or not you observe that extra day is between you and God. It's not biblical, it's not mandated, so it's, it's in your hands. Uh, so next week we'll have a special Parsha also because of the, the way the Torah cycle works out. Um, but I want to focus this morning on Passover and what Passover means, why we celebrate Passover, and, and why in the world Yeshua did what he did on Passover. Anybody ever wondered that? We, we all recognize Yeshua was our final atonement, right? You realize that the Passover sacrifice wasn't an atonement sacrifice, right? When, when was the atonement sacrifice? Yom Kippur, right? Yom Kippur. As a matter of fact, we know it because it's the name of it, the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur was the atonement sacrifice. So why in the world did Yeshua offer his life as the Passover lamb, as the Brachadashah says it? Why did he offer his life as our Passover lamb rather than as our Yom Kippur sacrifice? Why did he not come in the fall uh, or offer his life in the fall so that we could be restored to the Father through true atonement of Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement? Uh, and the answer is very simple. The answer is in what the Passover was. Because it's important for us to remember that the Passover is a foreshadowing of things that would come. But in particular, as we celebrate Passover Day, we're actually remembering things that have already happened, 
right? And so the Passover had a very specific purpose. The first Passover lamb that was slain in the households of Israel in Egypt had a very specific purpose. And for us as believers today, we need to recognize there's a very specific purpose, likewise for Yeshua, to be our Passover sacrifice, to offer his life on the days of the Korban Pesach, the Passover sacrifice would have been made. So if you have your scriptures, go ahead and open up to Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 21. Now, as we read through Exodus, uh, we see that there's a number of, of, of uh, chapters that deal with the Passover sacrifice. There's a lot of different things, ordinances, things that go on to how Passover would be, that first Passover would be celebrated in Egypt and the things that would happen and how things would go on. We go to Numbers and we see it again, Leviticus, we see it again, uh, and so on. Uh, it's important for us to understand that the foundation is here in Exodus. And so if we look in verse 21, it says, Then Moses called for all the, pe- the elders of Israel and said to them, Go select lambs for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. You are to take a bundle of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and apply it uh, to the crossbeam and to the two doorposts with the blood from the basin. None of you may go out the door of his house until morning. Adonai will pass uh, Adonai will pass through to strike down the Egyptians, but when he sees the blood on the crossbeam and the two doorposts, Adonai will pass over that door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you down. Also, you are to observe this event as an eternal ordinance for you and your children. Uh, so I'll start with that last little verse real quick, just as a quick caveat. Uh, Romans 11 says that the nations were grafted in the root and the fatness of the olive tree, uh, that both the, the Jewish believers and Gentile believers have a circumcision of the heart, uh, and that circumcision of the heart, to a large degree, fulfills the requirements for the nations to observe Passover, in my opinion, based out of what I see in Scripture. Now, there may be other Messianic rabbis that might argue with me on that, uh, but nonetheless, my opinion, based out of what I see in Scripture, that circumcision of the heart for the Gentile world actually suffice, suffices as the circumcision necessary to observe Passover, because Moses makes it clear in Deuteronomy that God's intention is the circumcision of the heart. Uh, Paul makes it clear that God's intention is the circumcision of the heart. Circumcision of the flesh is an outward sign of a covenant made with Abraham, our forefather, and all of his descendants, blood descendants. If somebody in the nations wants to go through that process, <laughs> power to you. I don't know that I would want to if I didn't have to at that age. But if you want to, go for it. That's all good. Uh, but for, for Jewish people, it is a mandate from Scripture that we have to do it. And not only that, but in order to keep Passover, we have to do it, uh, as we'll read through some of the rest of this. Um, but with that said, uh, notice here he says, you are to observe this event as an eternal ordinance for you and your children. Eternal means forever, right? And we believe that when it comes to salvation, that when God says that we will be in heaven for eternity, that that means forever, right? Now, how do we believe that he means forever with uh, heaven, but we don't mean, think he means forever with Passover? Both are eternal. Both are commanded by God or promised by God as an eternal ordinance uh, and an eternal reality. It's important for us to understand as the body of Messiah is a part of Israel, not separate. We are grafted into Israel, both natural and unnatural branches, grafted in the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Passover is a part of our heritage as well, both Jew and Gentile alike. And it's important for us as believers to observe Passover, not because the Bible says we have to, because it's an eternal ordinance to remember what God has already done both in the original Passover and uh, with Messiah's Passover. It is important for us to recognize what is already done. So as we look at this, we recognize that the purpose for the Passover lamb, as is said here, is that the blood is put upon the doorpost and the cross member of the door. And uh, as the death angel comes past the household, if it sees the blood upon the doorpost, or particularly says if Adonai sees the blood upon the doorpost, then death will pass that household. 
with this said, uh, I, I have no doubt in my mind that as Israel was putting blood upon the doorposts of their household, that there were some Egyptians who were already fearful of God. And I don't mean fearful like te- terrified and, and petrified. I mean fearful like they had a fear of the Lord because of the things they had already seen. And I believe this because when we go forward to Joshua and Joshua goes to, or Joshua's spies go to Rahab, Rahab says, look, We've known, what we, we heard what God did to Egypt through you guys, and we, we've heard what he's done to everybody you've come into contact with in the wilderness, and we've been scared to death. They've been scared for 40 years. The, the, the people that God was sending Israel to dispossess because they were too far gone for restoration and righteousness believed more in God's promises to Israel than Israel did because they saw and they heard what God did. And so I have no doubt in my mind that there were Egyptians who saw what Israel was doing and went, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, this last uh, nine plagues are pretty rough. Um, what exactly are you doing here? What's going on? Uh, I, I know God's got something up his sleeve. What's about to happen? And what do we need to do to get on board with what you're doing? Uh, and, and I believe that Israel, uh, being commanded by God to be light to the nations, shared this with him. I think that this is part of why the, later in this, uh, this section of Scripture, we see that there was a mixed multitude that left Egypt with Israel. That it wasn't just blood descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was a mixed multitude that left Egypt with Israel. And I think this is why God makes it a point in the next, few, next little bit of this chapter to say, the Passover is for all of you, and any one of the nations that want to take part must be circumcised to take part in it. And anyone in your household must be circumcised. And if they're not circumcised, they want to, you've got to circumcise them, and so on and so forth. It's because God's intention was always to graft the nations into the people of God and the promises of God because God did not create Jew and Gentile. He created humanity. And salvation came through the Jewish people for all of humanity, for the entire world. And so as we look at this, we recognize that the purpose of the blood of the Passover lamb was to provide a means for covering, a blood covering, so that the death angel would pass over those households and the firstborn of those households would not die during this particular plague. And this is important because when we're trying to calculate why in the world Yeshua came as our Passover lamb instead of our Yom Kippur sacrifice, we've got to start to wrap our heads around this. We go back to Genesis and what, is, uh, what do we recognize that the consequence for sin is? Death. But in particular, eternal death. Not just death here and now. So when the enemy came to, to, uh, to Hava, to Eve, and said, oh, but did God really say you would die? She went, oh, he did, but I don't really know what he meant by that because we don't even know what death is, right? I'm paraphrasing in my mind how this played out. Uh, but, but when he said, are you, are you really going to die? Oh, don't worry. God just knows that if you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like him. And you know the difference between right and wrong. And Eve went, well, maybe he didn't really mean death. Maybe he meant something else. But God really did mean death. He didn't mean death immediately. He never said you're going to die on the spot if you eat the fruit. He didn't say it's poisonous. As a matter of fact, he said it was beautiful, right? The word shows us that it was tempting. Death isn't tempting. At least I don't think so. Death isn't tempting. I ride a motorcycle. I promise you, death ain't tempting. Every time somebody pulls out in front of me, it's not a tempting thing to rev the engine harder. I'm not trying to speed this process up any. The consequence for sin is eternal death, which is what God meant by if you eat of the fruit, you will die. You will die eternally. And that eternal death isn't just you're going to die and never breathe again. That eternal death, it is an eternal separation from our Heavenly Father. An eternal separation from our Heavenly Father. And Yeshua came as our Passover lamb for a very specific purpose, so that his blood would be put upon the doorpost and the cross member of our heart, 
so that you and I would have the ability for the death angel, eternal death itself, the consequence of our sin to pass over our lives, that we could be restored and renewed, brought into salvation, deliverance, and restoration as Israel was coming out of Egypt. Verse 25, when you come into the land which Adonai will give you, as he has promised, you are to keep this ceremony. You didn't do it once. You didn't do it just to get out of Egypt. This wasn't like the ante up in a poker game that you had to get through in order to make it through. This was something God intended for us to do over and over again to be reminded of what God had done for us as a foreshadowing of what God intended to do for us. Verse 26, Now when it happens that your children ask you, what does the ceremony mean? You were to say, it is the sacrifice of Adonai's Passover because he, is pa- he passed over the houses of B'nai Israel in Egypt when he struck down the Egyptians but spared our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped and B'nai Israel went and did it. They did just as Adonai had commanded Moses and Aaron. They literally went and did exactly what God said. I think it's powerful that as we celebrate Passover, we're not just remembering what has happened, but we're to celebrate it in a manner of which that our children ask us, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? In our Passover Seder today, traditionally, there's four questions that are asked in the Passover Seder, and it's always asked by the youngest child, and the, everybody's the youngest child at least once, even if you're the only child. Everybody's the youngest child at least once, and the youngest child traditionally would ask the four questions, uh, and the four questions are basically this, but expounded upon. Why do we eat matzah tonight? Why do we recline tonight? Why do we uh, uh, eat bitter herbs tonight? Why do we dip things twice tonight? The idea is, why do we do these things? And it's so that the children will ask these questions and everything that we do in the observance and the practice of Passover, so our children will ask these questions and we have the opportunity to share the truth and the reality of God's promises fulfilled in the Passover that brought Israel out of Egypt. And as believers, I think it's even more important that we celebrate Passover each and every year so that our children also ask that question. Why are we doing this? So that we have the opportunity to say not only Did God do this for our forefathers coming out of Egypt? But he also did this for yours and my life by the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua that we could be restored to him forever, that we could be redeemed from the consequence of sin. So we tell our kids, no matter what you have done in your life, no matter what you do in your life from this moment forward, there is always an opportunity for restoration. There is always an opportunity for salvation. There is always an opportunity for forgiveness, for deliverance, for healing, for restoring, for renewal. The Lord wants nothing more than to make you His. And as parents, we look at our children, and maybe I'm speaking for myself, but my kids are really good about doing the opposite of what I tell them, especially not to know. Not to know, well, you'll tell them not to do something, he'll look you in the eyes and do it anyways, and then laugh. And you're like... What are you doing? What? What did I do? What did, and then he does it again. And I have to constantly remind myself that what goes around comes around. <laughs> and one day his kids will know. Uh, that not only did I do far worse to my parents, but I've done far worse to my God. I've done far worse in my relationship to my Heavenly Father, to my Heavenly Abba. And every time I do... And every time I read the word of God and something pops out that I know my life isn't quite right in that area yet. And God's saying, don't do that. And I'm looking at him going, ha ha, I'm touching it anyways. That God's standing there and he's ready and he's willing and he's able and he's already paved the way for me to be forgiven, 
for me to be restored. And just like even when I have to punish my children, the very next thing I do is go and wrap my arms around them and tell them how much I love them. Because punishment isn't for the sake of just correction. Punishment is supposed to be for the sake of restoring. Punishment isn't to make sure that they can't sit for a week. Punishment is to make sure that they run back into your embrace. Punishment is to make sure that they get back online and on track. You know, in Hebrew, the word for repentance is teshuvah. And teshuvah, the, 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 the root word shuv, means to, to turn around, to return. And here in the body of Messiah today, especially in America, our mentality of repentance is, oh, I jacked things up again, God, please forgive me. And then we go on about our way to do the same thing over and over and over and over. You know, we never really change. There's never a transformation. But the truth is, in Hebrew, the word teshuvah means to return. The image is that if you're walking the wrong way away from God, that God grabs a hold of your heart, that you stop dead in your tracks, you make a 180-degree turn, you walk away from the ways of the world back into the loving embrace of your Abba, of your Heavenly Father. It's an entirely different concept of repentance than what we think of in the body of Messiah more often than not today. In order to truly repent in a biblical fashion, we have to stop doing what's wrong. When the Lord calls our sin out, we don't just look at him, do it anyways, and laugh, but we stop and we turn back to him. And this is what the Messiah's blood was poured out on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies in heaven for, was so that we had a means to return back to him. And I want you to understand that the Passover, as we see here in Exodus 12, wasn't something that was, was only for Israel. It was for anyone who would attach themselves to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And why is that important? Because in the same sense that the Passover wasn't only for Israel, and memorializing the Passover year after year after year isn't only for Israel, nor is the salvation of Messiah Yeshua only for Israel. His blood atonement was for all to be restored and renewed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life. It wasn't for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that Israel, the Jewish people, could have everlasting life. It wasn't so that the Gentiles, the church, could have everlasting life. It was so that whosoever believes in him Anyone whose heart turns back to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the promised salvation of his redemptive son, Yeshua HaMashiach, could have everlasting life, eternal life. The blood of our Passover lamb would be put upon the doorpost and the cross member of our hearts so that we could be restored and reunified to our Heavenly Father. So that our sins could be forgiven and death would pass over us, not just now, but forever. We may still die here on earth. And I promise you, depending on the sin, depending on the legality of said sin, you may very well still deal with consequence here on earth, even once you're forgiven in heaven. But even while dealing with consequence, there is everlasting forgiveness in heaven. We talk about this, uh, actually we'll talk about it this week in our Bible study in Colossians in chapter 2. Paul talks about, and, and often people word this, they, they quote this by saying that the, the law was hung on the cross with Yeshua. Uh, Galatians, uh, Colossians 2 verse 14, he wiped out the handwritten record of debts with the decree against us, which was hostile to us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. 
And many people, many uh, doctrines are built upon this that says, oh, the law, the Torah was nailed to the cross. That's not what the passage says. The passage says, the verse very specifically says, he wiped, away, uh, wiped out the handwritten record of debts with the decree against us. If you're charged with a crime, there's a docket that goes, a folder, a file, whatever you want to call it, that goes before the judge. It has the list of charges against you. Very simply and stated right there, the list of charges against you. And the enemy is standing in the court of judgment before the Lord, and he's the prosecutor, and he's accusing us before the Lord, and he hands the, the docket to the Lord and said, here's Rabbi David sends. These are the charges against him. And the Lord opens up that folder, and he looks at that paper where the charges were once written, and it's blank. Why? Not because the commandments that I broke, which caused my sin in my life, were erased, but because the sin itself was erased. The actual crime was removed. So what was nailed to the cross with Yeshua wasn't the law, it wasn't the Torah, what was nailed to the cross with Yeshua was yours and my sin. It was the charges that were brought before against us before the Lord. And it was nailed to the cross. And why? Because his blood was poured out to cleanse us of our sins and give us eternal life so that the death angel would pass over us so that we could be restored with him. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. Your sin was nailed to the cross with Yeshua. Notice it was nailed to the cross with Yeshua even before you ever asked for repentance. Even before you ever asked for salvation. That doesn't mean that you can be forgiven and given salvation without asking for it. But it was already put there so that when you do, it's ready to go. He took the sins of the world upon himself. You've got to understand, this is God himself robed in flesh. If he didn't want to be on that cross, he wouldn't be on that cross. Genesis 22, we read about Abraham and Isaac, and he's bringing Isaac for the, the when God commanded to, to sacrifice Isaac, he's bringing Isaac up the, the mountain, and as they're going up, Isaac's carrying the wood for the sacrifice on his back, and, and, and he sees they've got the fire for the burnt offering, and he yells out to his dad, hey, pops, I see we got the fire and the, the wood, but where's the offering? I think Isaac was well aware of what the offering was. I think Isaac was well aware of the sacrifice. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. We know that Isaac was somewhere in his uh, early 20s to, to early 30s at the time of the Akedah, the binding of Isaac in Genesis 22. That tells us that Abraham was at least 120 years old. He was 100 years older than Isaac. He was at least 120 years old. Trust me, my dad's only 20 years older than me, and short of him knocking me out or killing me first, there is nothing he's going to force me to get onto and be tied down to unless I allow it to happen. Much less a 100-year age gap. There's no way Abraham was able to tie Isaac down if Isaac wasn't a willing participant. And just like that, Yeshua allowed himself to be put on the stake. Yeshua allowed himself to be hung on that cross so that you and I could be forgiven and restored and renewed to him so that we could cross through and cross over the Jordan River, the spiritual reality of the Jordan River, leaving the ways of the world around us and returning to the ways of our Heavenly Father. He didn't do that so that grace could forgive all, including the need to have a relationship with him, including the need to walk in his ways, including the need to honor his word. He did that so we could actually have a relationship with him and honor his word. Yeshua came as our Passover sacrifice for a very specific reason. Just as Israel's uh, initial Passover lamb was for a very specific reason. 
It was so that death would pass over. You and I now as followers of Messiah and if you are not a believer in Messiah Yeshua yet, the same reality is available to you. And I beg of you, do not leave this place today without giving your life to the Lord and recognizing that your bill of charges has been hung to the cross and forgiven. That the debt that you have accrued over your life due to sin has been paid and forgiven. Do not leave here today without recognizing that your heavenly Father, your Creator, the one whose breath flows in your lungs, loves you so much that he offered his only son that you could be restored to him. See, I want you to, to grasp that as we read the Haftorah Parsha for today that Israel didn't make it very far into the journey with God before they had already messed things up. And I'm not just talking that they barely made it across the Red Sea before they started complaining. But we recognize in Joshua, the passage we read in Joshua earlier in the Haftorah, that Israel never circumcised their children born in the wilderness. Israel never observed Passover in the wilderness for 40 years. They never observed Passover. The first time they observed Passover again after leaving Egypt was when they set foot into the promised land. The first time they observed Passover was when Joshua led them. And Joshua had to go and circumcise the second generation so that they could observe Passover. You've got to understand that we are part of a body of Messiah that for generations upon generations now have forsaken the fullness of what God has done for us and where he's bringing us to. Whether we talk about doctrines and theologies that undoes aspects of the word of God, like whether or not the Holy Spirit is active and relevant today, or whether or not the word of God its entirety from Genesis to Revelation is active and relevant today. Whether or not the deem the appointed days of Adonai, are valid for us today. And a plethora of other things around that. For generations we have forsaken what the Lord brought us out of the nations for. What he brought us out of the wilderness for. What he brought us out of the ways of the world around us for. And instead of actually stepping out of the ways of the world around us, instead we've just managed to manipulate the world's ways and find a way to force Yeshua into it. Because it's easier to keep doing what we've always done and just pretend it's about him than it is to actually leave, get up out of her and go into faithfulness and a relationship with the Lord. And we are a new generation. The body of Messiah today is a new generation that the Lord is calling us, just like he did through Joshua to Israel, to have our hearts circumcised anew. And to return in faithfulness back to our relationship with him and what he has done for us. Not to turn our back on what he's done. Not to find a way to co-opt him into what we've always had. But to get up out of the ways of this world. And to walk in the ways of godliness. To walk in the ways of righteousness. To walk in relationship with the word of God. To recognize that our Jewish Messiah came for the entire world that he called Israel out to be a light to the nations, carrying the word of God to the nations, that he called the nations out through the blood atonement of Messiah and the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh to drive Jews to jealousy for his God. All this really hinges on the reality of God restoring us to the root and the fatness of the olive tree, which is Israel, the Jewish people, 
the word of God which was given to Israel to carry to the nations. And part of that is to observe and to honor the Passover year in and year out. Every single year. To remove the chametz, the leavening from our household and also from our own lives as we are digging through our houses and cleaning our homes this past week. We should be on our faces before the Lord asking the Lord to reveal the chametz, the leaven, the sin in our own lives. And as some of you saw my little uh, inspirational post on the realm, the reality is, is inevitably, and, and most of you will probably figure this out on your own too this year, is inevitably, uh, no matter how hard we clean, three, four, five days, the last day into Passover, uh, we'll open up the cabinet and all of a sudden something that sat there in the forefront the entire time that we didn't notice that's just smack full of chametz is sitting there the whole time. We never noticed it. And it jolts out to our attention and we, oh, come on, I love, this is ridiculous, but how often do we really look at our lives in the same way? How often is the Lord standing there uh, and, and he's tugging at our heartstrings saying, look, this is flipping obvious, people. It's right here. You're still messing this up. You're still not showing my light to the world around you because you're still out of whack here. I mean, ah, but it's okay, God. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. Or we beat ourselves up when we find that chametz in the cabinet. I can't believe I left this here. This is ridiculous. What in the world am I now? I've ruined all the Passover. But the Lord's standing there tapping us on the shoulder going, it's okay, it's all forgiven. I've already taken care of it. And in the same sense when we fall prey to temptation and sin and we beat ourselves up over it, which we probably rightly should, uh, but, but we beat ourselves up over it, the Lord's standing there tapping us on the shoulder, it's okay. I've already paid for that chametz. I've already paid for that sin. I've already restored and renewed you in this. All you have to do is return. All you have to do is return in faithfulness. Trust in the circumcision, the heart I've placed on you. Because I want to do great things through you. As I've done through Israel, as I've done through the body of Messiah for the last 2,000 years, I want to do great things through you. The blood of Messiah was poured out so that you could be used by God to see his kingdom on earth. It's time that we let him begin to pluck out all of the comments, all of the leavening, all of the old nature, all of the old man out of our lives so that we can walk faithfully in the truth of the sacrifice of the Passover lamb that was poured out so that death would pass over us, so that we can feed into others so that death passes over them as well. It's time that we, the body of Messiah, stand firm in the truth of God's word and recognize that his word is eternal, that the Passover is eternal. And it's important that it's eternal because the blood of Messiah, our Passover lamb, is eternal. And we should continue to remember the reality of what God has done for us through Messiah and the foreshadowing of what he did for us in Egypt, coming out of Egypt and in the promised land going into Israel. And that his promises are true and his love is forever and it's ready and available for us as soon as we open our hearts to him. Abrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you and we adore you. Father, I ask you to awaken our hearts to anything in our lives that may be less than glorious in relationship with you, to anything that may uh, hinder the image of Messiah in our lives, that may hinder the image and likeness of our Creator, anything that may the, the hinder the relationship that others are supposed to see us walk in with you so that they can find 
the same relationship in their lives. Father, reveal to us anything, anything in our lives that damages, that holds back the reality of the work you want to do in our lives through your Ruach HaKodesh. Father, continue to mold us in the image and likeness that you have already created us to be. And open our hearts to the reality of Yeshua, our Messiah, who has offered his life that the debt do us, the consequence do us, because of our sins, has been not only forgiven, but entirely erased. In the name of Yeshua, Messiah, we pray and everyone says, Amen.